What's up, beautiful people? Welcome once again to Casual Cognition. This is Hank. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to have a little chat regarding globalization and the key concepts. This was recommended to us by one of our dear listeners. And we hope sincerely that you enjoy this conversation. Ew. Bud, we're back. We're back in town. The boys we're, are back. We're back with more utterly fascinating podcast content. That's right. This is a... Um, this is gonna be a a big deal. We're gonna we're gonna take down we're gonna really take down the uh, the system. We're gonna tell it like it is. We're gonna we're gonna challenge the status quo. Not really. I'm just bullshitting. What are we doing then? If we're if we're not gonna save the world, I mean, I guess that's always what we're trying to do. But uh yeah. Are we are we trying to save the world or are we just trying to save the immediate surroundings? Well, I'm pretty sure we're trying to save like a small minority, uh, a select group of people. Yeah. That are somehow more valuable than other people for random reasons random immutable characteristics that have nothing to do with anything and and sure. which uh <laughs> which characteristics would you define there uh i'm i this is already we're already getting into uh even though i'm <laughs> obviously joking i'm still just shaking in my boots waiting hey, there's to a, get canceled as as a, as a fellow chess player there's a move there's a move there's the a characteristic that... we can define. Uh, life. Bam. I was going to say humans, but... <laughs> oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so speciesist, dude. <laughs> how dare how, you? How... <laughs> how um, I was going to say homocentric, but that would... <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, that would come off the wrong way too, but I think that's a that's accurate. Um, but yeah, it not, is I, I, like scientifically accurate, yes. But um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, what we're we're going to be talking about the concept <laughs> of globalization to start here. Thanks for getting for getting down into it. I know I, f I feel like every time we're about to start an episode, there's like this limbo period where we kind of beat around the bush. I think it's fun. I think it's super fun too, and it's it's always like I feel like it's fun for the listeners for to be like, hmm, I wonder if they're ever actually going to <laughs> like dive into a topic, or are they just gonna keep on fucking saying random bullshit for an hour That's and right. a half? <laughs> That's right. I guess there's not well, much of a difference though. We're yeah, we're gonna stay on <laughs> random bullshit for an hour and a half, but um, yeah, because. We had a, a listener of ours and a guest of ours, Vagar, shout out ask to Vagar. us about 
specifically about this was this was kind of interesting. Um, he asked us about this particular um, uh, work in context of globalization, and um, we we read up a PDF, and then we realized that it was a uh, an introduction to a a whole book that um, that we did not have time to read, but we wanted to go ahead and and tackle the topic anyways um because we have a lot to say about this topic and um i will say one thing that we're going to try to avoid somewhat here is like getting into specific politics um which will be a little tricky but uh, we always try to keep this podcast fairly apolitical and you know globalization like many other things has been wrapped up into politics and, but it's not necessarily um, inherently political and there's a lot of aspects to it that are are not even debatable it's just like the the facts of modern living and so we wanted to start off by sort of getting into what globalization is and what it means for us in the modern world. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think to start off, we can just kind of introduce the topic a little bit. You know, it's it's definitely, again, we're just we're just hunting down all, all those buzzwords, man, demystifying all the. Uh, all these buzzwords, all the misinformation out there. I'm sure we're unintentionally spreading misinformation here and there, but, uh, you know, Hank, we correla- have... correlation does not equal causation. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Do you um, have a source on that? E- I'm pretty sure you could just look up the definitions in a dictionary. <laughs> That's <laughs> Oxford dictionary. No, but, um, yeah, glo- globalization, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's it's something that's been going on for a long, long time. It's a lot of times it's talked about as this thing that started happening um, in in recent years or like with the advent of the internet. And I must say that the internet has uh, contributed to globalization tremendously and it has uh, brought up a lot of really interesting kind of developments in globalization, but it's 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 been going on for a long time, and it's it's essentially this process of um, kind of expanding the sense of like what a just as a, just as an example, like at, like what a community is, right? So you have this. It's it's basically like the dissolution of borders between different cultures and peoples and communities, and that's I think one one aspect of it that we can kind of start out with. But is there anything you wanted to add to that, Nate? Yeah, I, I think it, it's kind of important to um, slightly define the linguistics here somewhat because globalization is one of those words that means a million different things to a million different people. Yeah. And when we're talking about globalization here and using that term, um, unless otherwise specified, we're probably referring to like the most 
general ambiguous form of that term meaning the the like you said like like the interconnected connectedness that arises um between cultures and countries and peoples um that is somewhat inevitable based around technological advancement cultural mixing and just kind of like general um especially like the internet just general communication advances between individuals so it's it's not a a positive or negative term and it's not a um you know there's there's also there's like theories that could be defined as globalization theories or you know people who can who could be considered to be globalists or something like that like that's not what we're referring to in the term um, and we're not making a judgment call based on that term, but um, it's it's more of like discussing the nature of of the reality of globalization and how it's um, affected our lives already and how it's going to continue affecting our lives. Yeah, and so yeah, so exactly, we're we're kind of looking into it as a as a general phenomenon that has been occurring and that is kind of recently um, been ramping up more so. And I think it is interesting to kind of start with, because I think an argument can be made that technology, period, has been the catalyst for globalization, right? So initially, yeah. like, the first, the first things that would contribute to globalization would have been things like, um, well, literally... Um, like using horses uh, as as transportation, boats, Riding. things like that. Riding. Um, these are all technologies that would kind of facilitate this um, this process. And it's so it's so interesting because like there's so many different ways to view globalization, and that's something that you were kind of touching to before. Is like most people are viewing it purely through an economic lens or purely through a cultural lens but there's so many different things that are happening those of course are very relevant and interesting but it's also it's i think it's important to recognize that those are not like the only ways in which globalization is affecting uh the the people of of earth right like there's there's a lot of other kind of nuanced things that are happening but i i suppose um yeah for for some reason we tend to focus on the economic and the and the cultural yeah and and one thing that we're just starting to get around to that i think is really important is the environmental side mm. of globalization where we're yeah. starting to realize the very common sense idea that oh if one massive group of people is polluting the atmosphere it affects everybody on planet earth and um one of the big talking points around environmental um disasters and and serious climate change is going on right now is the tragic reality that people who least contributed to climate change are currently and will continue to be the people who suffer the most from it. Yeah. And it's brutal. 
you know, there's, and that's, that's why like globalization can't be thought of as like a positive or a negative force. It's like, it's, it's a it's a it's like a for, it's happening. a force of nature. It's like yeah, it's it's its own thing, and it has many positive and negative aspects to it. And um, I think it's one of those things that as long as climate change doesn't just like straight wipe out modern infrastructure all over the world, which is possible possible, but um, if it if it doesn't go that way then i think that globalization is going to continue without like much without people really being able to stop it because that's just it's it's so powerful like the it's nature like pandora's of, box right yeah yeah it, it's like the people can see that i think the pandemic actually highlighted this a lot where um, the the general public really realized the power that it is is inside like what the kind of communication that we're having right now like face-to-face video and audio mm-hmm. communication yeah especially if you have some like decent equipment and your sound is good you can see the person on video like that is um, is much more powerful than a lot of people understood I think before the pandemic and i think that the the it, that particular event will accelerate some of the communication trends that were going on so it's just like there's so many aspects to this this trend of globalization uh, to get into and you know i i um i really enjoy it in so many ways but at the same time, there's there's like so many problems that come along with it. It's it's one of those. It's like a um. It's it's like chocolate cake for the human race. It's like it's so delicious and sweet and wonderful, but it's like bad for us on an inherent level, and we engage in so much of it. And that, and then you know, there's I'm not talking about like the mixing of cultures or races being bad. I'm talking more about like the types of things that arise when multinational corporations can, you know, make so much money that they go into a poor country that has no hope of, of dealing with the amount of money that they can pump into their system and they can sort of rape it for natural resources kind of thing. You know, that's a, that's a product of global economic, uh, or economic globalization. And it's really hard to regulate companies like that. Yeah, and I think it's important to to point out that like, because I think that's that exact thing that you mentioned is one of the reasons why people are like globalization is bad. Yeah, but like that globalization, like that thing is something that happens or that is possible due to globalization but it's not caused by globalization if that makes sense like you can have globalization and not have that yeah uh, like that's that's a thing but i think uh you know what and this is this is something i thought that was really cool about what vegar sent us like this this um this little paper because oh, yeah, or i guess it's a it book but it's really interesting that he he mentions like yeah, so there are this this is great cuz he's he's kind of saying this too like so there are a lot of different 
ways to view globalization as a phenomenon, but mm-hmm. all of them are affected by these eight uh, dimensions of globalization, he calls them, right? And so, like, these eight dimensions are valuable tools to view, like, whether you're looking at it from an economic standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, these are... By the way, this is, this is from Globalization, The Key Concepts by Thomas Highland Erickson written in 2007 right so i suppose we can maybe we can just quickly go through these and uh, kind of see what comes up like so the first one uh is disembedding and I, i mean he sums it up perfectly here like this is basically it just means that distance is becoming irrelevant right And that's something that we really saw, like you said, like with the pandemic, we realized like, oh, you actually don't need to go into the office. You can actually have everybody working from home and it just, it works. Um, Or go anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. They can go anywhere. And you, if you want to move to the next state over, it's not some huge chore because you can just get on a plane flight and get and rent a truck and things like that. Like, you know, that's actually a pretty recent thing. People think that that's just, oh yeah, whatever. But like being able to move to across the country used to be like, like we had a, we have a game about it called the Oregon Trail. It used to be like a life or death mission of like months at a time, and that wasn't like that long ago. You know, we before trains and stuff across the country. Yeah, that's so. that reminds me. Somebody was there was a comedian that made a joke about that, and it was just so on point. It's like you literally arrive with a completely different group of people than you left with like, yeah, it's like half it's of like them are journey. dead and a couple people have been born on the way and it's like yeah. <laughs> oh, and man. it's true it's like that was no that was not a that was not an easy easy process just to get from one side of the country to another right even going to the next state over would have been a straight up quest, like multi days of travel, like difficult hard For sure. travel. Yeah, so that's kind of the idea of disembedding, or one of the ideas of disembedding, just not being tied down to one location. Yeah, and culturally and, or you know otherwise. Yeah, so again, that's something that has been really enabled by our technological advancement, right? Like with yeah. with the advent of the internet, especially like so much of this stuff can be done like uh, like we're doing right now this whole podcast is made uh we're we're living on opposite sides of the globe pretty much and it works fine and you know i i think because because it's super relevant right now maybe we can also go into um this thing with music too right like before not even not long ago at all it's like if you wanted to if you wanted to make a song you would need to like go and 
find the right guy at the label and pitch your song to them and hope that they like it and then hope that they sign you and then you have to go through all of these fucking loops to be able to go to the studio and like yes hook up to all you know a microphone that's made out of wicker and wood and uh you know banana peels and eke out something it's actually funny because a lot of those mics they were using back then are like still in use today because they they use the tube the tube mics these analog mics they just have such a beautiful like warmth to them but anyways like yeah exactly so so i mean the technology some of it was a little bit suspect i mean the whole thing with having to use tape for example that's a fucking pain in the ass, dude. That's an incredible pain, pain in the ass. ass to me. Like just the fact that that they just had, like records are it just like blows my mind. Like fucking vinyl records with a needle on them. I'm just like, what in the? Fuck? I mean, people are still doing those, man. I, oh, There's I a know. Huge market for that still because the sound I, quality. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. It's actually crazy <laughs> that like some of that older technology is. And now it's kind of debatable, but a lot of people swear that the vinyl is just, it's just better, just sounds better than even like the highest quality digital music that you can download because of the, you know, compression and all that stuff. There's a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction that goes along with it that makes it sound better. That's that's probably true as well, and there is the the analog aspect, right? Like the yeah. the physical aspect that is really satisfying. But so that's kind of the point that I wanted to make with this disembedding is like now, you can put together an album where every single person playing on the album can live in different countries across the globe. You can send files back and forth for free, super quickly and easily. Everyone has their own little setup. Everybody can, I mean, the people can afford to have uh, th- this equipment in their homes, right? Like, it's it's not a crazy, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you can probably afford to get a microphone, you know? Um, and, like, you could literally make, you could make a song with that, with fucking sampling pots and pans and singing into it and like you so my the point is that it's and and that's actually that's one of the things that is uh, that's amazing with globalization right is like uh we now as as individuals we have like more power than ever when it comes to uh our ability to create we we rely on like while we are relying on the, the um the like overall global globalized economy more uh, than ever we rely on specific people and organizations less and less and that's something that's i think super super cool you know that like anybody can fucking make their song anybody can can do that without having to get permission from some executive or some other organization to do it. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely bled into this next one here, which is acceleration. And 
you know, it, it says, you know, the speed of transport and communication has increased throughout the 20th century and this acceleration continues, you know, um, speed is an important feature of globalization. Mm. Anything from inexpensive plane tickets to cheap calls contribute to integrating the world, that sort of thing. Like, like due to the speed of communication and travel, the accessibility has gone up to where yeah. now it's not just people in the first world who have access to this stuff there's people all over the world who have smartphones or computers that are connected to the internet that are on facebook or other things i uh, i remember telling you that my friend uh he he didn't actually join the team but he did this as kind of a joke he um he, he ordered a shirt from them though he, he was playing on chess.com and he got a an invite from a like a, a chess team in Mozambique because he had just picked a random country off of the country lists and it happened to be Mozambique and he ended up ordering a shirt from this Mozambiquean chess team and like I say he hadn't played any games for him or anything but it's just like like a perfect example of just like some random dude in Missouri ordered a t-shirt from a Mozambiquean chess team it's amazing. You know, yeah, it's it's so cool. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of problems that go into that. And I, I actually think that convenience and speed is, is one of the, the real tricky things about globalization. Because it's, and, and this is starting to get addressed with things like electric vehicles and stuff like that. But um, you know, it's it's tempting for everybody to need things like trucks, you know, the, the trucking industry. And the, the majority of um, carbon emissions from transportation actually come from shipping barges. And, you know, why do we need shipping barges? Because we want cheap, convenient exports and imports. So... You know, if if it took us two, three weeks to get an import from another country, we'd be like, what in the fuck? Like, like, or, you know, a common thing that's imported from another country, not something that's like you're directly ordering from another country. But we, we import tons of things from other countries. And, you know, if you had to deal with the prices and wait times of that sort of thing without these like mega huge shipping barges and, and things that end up pumping tons of co2 into the environment it would be people would be upset because we're used to that sort of convenience and speed so we have solutions that we're working on but unfortunately they might not come quick enough so you know that's a that's a, a, a just one of the one of the negative things about the acceleration side of things yeah, and, and then, you know, the next one is kind of interesting because there's definitely arguments to be made both ways in terms of, like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. the dimension of standardization. Standardization. Now, that's an interesting one there. Yes. I mean, so the, the example that he gives here, which I find very interesting, and I, I, I think this is just, you know, unequivocally a good thing, is that 
yeah, the example is the rapid increase in the use of English as a foreign language. I mean, I think we can all get behind that, right? Because, though, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, j- jokes aside, uh, you know, that, that's one of the examples that he gives, which I find very interesting because I didn't really, that wouldn't have been the first one that comes to mind for me. But well, it happens to be English, which people can get kind of salty about because, you know, America and England don't exactly have the best uh, history in terms of imperialism. But I think that the idea of a single language being used as the world's trade and singular communication language is good and important. And everybody, of course, wants it to be their language. So, you know, we just happen to be lucky that it's our first language. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like it's it makes sense to just do basically like either mandarin or english yeah that's and, pretty much and and there is kind of argue i mean mandarin is probably spoken by just as many people if not more people than english i think actually english is more but it seems um, like it'd be harder to learn well that's the thing is english is really hard to learn for specific language groups including yeah. people who speak uh mandarin as a as their mother tongue or like cantonese or i think arabic is the other one that is like it's super difficult to learn english yeah, they have like different vowel and consonant sounds and it's all just completely different so but if you you know for example if you um if you're thai it's going to be way easier to learn mandarin than it is to learn english yeah yeah because they have similar root languages yeah like they're just close they, they they're closer in terms of like the way that they structure the language and the the different uh yeah vowel sounds and stuff like that so i i think that's actually a really fascinating topic that we haven't touched on much but uh like linguistics and language and that that whole yeah thing well, that actually reminds me of uh, <laughs> st- sticking with globalization here. I remember um, when I was when I was going to university, I was uh, I was working for the swim team, one of the my my first year there, helping them out, and uh, like a crazy number of the people going there like many of the the athletes on the team literally just wanted to swim like they did not give a shit about going to school at all and so like 40 percent, or i don't know but like a bunch of the students a bunch of the swimmers on the team there they were all just like taking zulu as a as their like they were majoring in zulu (laughs) and i'm just like wait what why why and they're just like that's oh, a common it's just, thing for it's just the easiest one <laughs> like of just taking <laughs> random courses that are easy to get grades in so they can do their athletics which you know is is frowned upon but i think it's ridiculous to frown upon the athlete for that and and more about like okay well how about the institution that's making money off of that athlete and then trying to say like oh yeah we're we're making money off of them but we don't have to pay them because we're paying them in a good education when they're just letting them that they're paying take, like, for shit classes yeah and yeah. that the suit that i mean yeah it's it's just ridiculous i mean i guess some, some exploitation of, them are... of of young young athletes 
yeah that's and, what co- college athletics yeah and some of them are you know on athletic scholarships but it's like that's exactly it like they want to have a good team so they yeah. give them a but they're not paying them like you know offering them a a free or like reduced price education is not the same did you hear that they just ruled on this is that is actually changing now i forgot um they just i'm pretty sure it was a supreme court ruling but it was like a an irrefutable ruling that the ncaa could not disallow um student athletes to make money off of their their likeness and uh and merch oh wow nice yeah and this is this has actually been a big deal i know this is off topic but uh i mean we could we could weave it in though you know i mean well (laughs) i I, there is actually something to be said because this was one thing that was really interesting to me is that one of the biggest things that this opens up for is that there's a lot of athletes in these um sort of like smaller sports kind of like swimming smaller meaning like you know smaller uh fan bases yeah people immediately think watching yeah you know basketball players and football players because they have like video games that was one of the big things is that people were like like they they were like modeling their exact faces on video games and stuff and yet the person wasn't allowed to make any money off of the video game and but uh, like one of the biggest um benefactors of this ruling is actually some of the people in these smaller sports, especially female athletes, um, that are doing like sort of influencer type stuff. Like they're doing online things. They're they're giving coaching courses to people, hmm. and they're they're op- op- getting opened up to sponsorships and things like that. So this is actually a huge deal for um, people who are like doing the the sort of internet business thing that a lot of athletes and uh other people who who like like maybe their their craft their trade can't make them a ton of money directly especially if they're not like in the one percent of like absolute best you know because like dude that's that's the thing is that uh, this is uh, this is interesting about like the olympics that just happened you know a lot of Olympians who win gold medals, they don't, they end up like selling their medals and shit because they don't make it, you don't make any money off of being a, the best gymnast in the world 10 years later, whenever, you know, you've got to get a job, you might get a sponsorship like during the time period. But a lot of these people, they, they end up having a lot of financial hardship because they spent their whole early life, like training for this thing. Yeah, I mean, I was and talking so, more yeah. about the 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 sports with like bigger fan bases, where like for example, you know, like ninety eight percent of college football players are not going to the NFL. Ninety nine percent of yeah, them yeah. are not going to go to the NFL. But with this ruling, the thing that's super cool about it is they can still, and and like especially for the ones who are like they don't care. They're not. They're they're studying Zulu because it's the easiest major they can find and it's like they just want to play the sport yeah so it's really awesome for those i think for those people to be able to like yeah start to you know make a business out of it or or try to live off of their passion yeah exactly 
and that's that's I was so happy to hear about that and um that 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 thing about like the online stuff is is one interesting aspect of of this globalization thing where now you know you can have a fan that's halfway across the world or all the way across the world who's really into you and um you know we we the the one that just popped into my head the example that uh is is pretty dated but um it'll be funny to you was uh was gangnam style the south korean <laughs> i think it was the <laughs> freaking that blew up in the u.s yeah and that was just some like like weird it was korean right i think so i'm like not south korean I'm not pop totally thing. sure and it set off a wave of like the popularity of like k-pop in america funny, funny thing about that is that song actually had i'm pretty sure it had a multi-million dollar marketing budget which is wild which is yeah so it's like this thing with like oh you just got to go viral dude it's like that was completely manufactured to the point where it was shoved in people's faces <laughs> so much <laughs> the virus was made in a lab don't you understand <laughs> yeah literally um, but I mean, to, and to take an example a little bit closer to home, you know, like, uh, I've been streaming on Twitch recently, right? Which is like, and, yeah. and I, there, I have fans all the way from fucking Arkansas to Budapest. Like it's fucking <laughs> global sensation over here. <laughs> uh, I won't say how many how many people are actually <laughs> tuning in but the but the fact of the matter is like it's reaching people all across the globe and it's the same thing with this podcast right yeah there i mean and that to me it's it's uh it's really really amazing that we we have this opportunity to be able to interact with people all over the planet it's, it's beautiful yeah and bringing it back to the standardization thing you know that's um partially because of a of a linguistic like like similarity where where we can we can understand each other and also it's because there's um a standardization of technology where you know the um I don't know the the actual technical specifics behind this but I'm sure it was difficult at some of the uh the beginnings of developing some of these technologies to get something to work oh. from two different places like that like dude i got to i got to just take a moment for this dude usb c okay i've been I, so i've been complaining about this a little bit because i was like god damn it, i got to get another bunch of chargers but it seems to charge my headphones really fast dude and and not only that the like th this is the thing it, for me is like now every Everybody, everybody is using USB-C. So, like, you still, you know, you still Did have Did Apple to... switch over to it? Yes. Oh, okay. Like, there... I still got the... I still got the 10. I still got the fucking lightning cable. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe their phones still use lightning. I'm not sure. But I know the, the laptops are using the USB-C. And, but... I want to kick them I, right in the apples. I know, I know. But, but that, that is one of the things, like, that I've noticed is from what i've seen all of the the like newer generation of technology is using usb c like 
Yeah. That's just the one. And, and that was something that pissed me off so bad that everybody needs to have their uh, fucking special, ugh. especially Apple. They're the worst with that. Like, oh, yeah, dude, Firewire. And then they had Thunderbolt. And, like, they're the just... Little, I've spent at least $200 on their little fucking white adapter cables that go from their lightning charger to a three and a half millimeter jack like i i whoever came up with the idea of getting rid of the headphone jack on iphones i would gladly punch in the face and and this does bring up a a, you know this i think it's important that we take a moment here to recognize one of the one of the issues with globalization which is uh, and from especially from the economic perspective, where you have these fucking multi-billion billionaires profiting off of like mass resource, um, uh, like resource inequality and just basically slave labor, like to make these fucking phones. This is the big kicker, right? This has got to be the. Like aside from, and it kind of ties in with, but the like the environmental thing, I feel like the the um, unregulated and unchecked economic exploitation by um, these extra governmental bodies that just have so much buying value and so much. Um, capability to affect the the people that depend on their products like that's 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 got to be the the number one or at least the the easiest to point to problem with globalization yeah yeah for sure i mean as you you kind of mentioned it earlier like you you have these these corporations that literally have more profit than like the gdp of a third world country like they literally or, or a bunch of other like like this even even more other than third third world countries i mean yeah that's true even yeah just like then most Amazon. then most countries we'll just yeah, put it that way countries. like by yeah. far most than most countries and it's like how do, how do you how do you um how do you fight against that, you know? Because these days, money is, uh, that's the, money is power, I guess. Well, and this is one thing that's really interesting, um, which is, like, where do, where do we draw the line with, um, with the powers and how and how we check them because one thing that people don't understand these days is one of the biggest reasons for a government is to check like economic institutions in that way and there was a lot of thought in the early days of the united states around um uh like dealing with banking institutions and large moneyed power structures and like I, I shouldn't say government in general, but modern government. And you know, obviously, there's a ton of problems in cor- with corruption and things within governments. But like, 
there's plenty of examples of places in time and ge geography where governments don't exist to check any kind of economic institution in the area and they they just get wildly out of control because it's really hard for a single person or even a group of people to fight against a a multinational corporation and it used to be that you could have some power in that because okay well you're you the the local such and such is having some kind of bad practice with their labor and so some of the people go on strike or something and because they hadn't they they didn't have the the sort of communication and transportation technology that we do it was actually a, a big time move and and they they might have to negotiate with their workers more but now if if you do that sort of thing if you just have you know if you strike against the local starbucks owner they're just gonna put out a little a little thing that says like, oh yeah, we'll pay <laughs> pay scabs a little extra to come in. You'll get a hundred people through the door, and you know it's a little different right now with all the pandemic things going on and things are a little weird right now. But the point there being that workers don't have as much as much power against corporations that we used to be able to have, hmm. and and that. Uh, translates into smaller governments and smaller countries don't have as much power against larger corporations that they used to have. Um, Nestle is one of the big ones. Nestle has done a ton of horrible things over in Africa. And, you know, Nestle owns a huge portion of the food companies in America. Mm. So, you know, we think of them as fucking chocolate. You know, they started off making fucking Nestle's chocolate. And, uh, you know, now they're they're over in, in Africa, like, raping them for resources. And so, you know, we have to, like, consider what the solution is there. Because it's not just going to go away by not paying attention to it. Like, there has to be some kind of solution there. And that's when, when people start talking about those larger solutions. That's whenever people start thinking like, oh, they're talking about making a one-world government, man. Talking about taking over the world, new nah. world order. Dude, it's simple. It's honestly, like, it's actually simple. Of course, there are things that we can do within the, the government systems and voting and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's, that's all good. But I think the simplest solution is like it's all about where are you putting your money and are you buying shit from nestle you probably are even if you it's don't know about it not. that's the problem well that's the problem but the fact the fact of the matter is that it's not impossible and it's very feasible if you do a little bit of research and you choose wisely. Of course, it depends on where you are, um, what kind of... That's the big kicker. Yeah, like, I'm and sure there's certain areas um, where it's very extremely difficult to avoid. But uh, but again, like, I think, uh, I mean, and in general, it's so much, so many of the issues with globalization can be solved by supporting local businesses. 
I agree, but I think that 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 only accounts for a certain limited area because of the necessity of certain products. I mean, you and I are both using Apple products right now, and those are, I mean, Apple's a problematic company in many ways. And, I mean, Microsoft, I'm I'm on a a Microsoft computer right now. Microsoft's got issues, too. Um, Amazon, I am an Audible subscriber. You know, Amazon's definitely got lots of issues. And, you know, Walmart there's there's so there's the problem is is that if you get into which companies are doing um bad things it's it's like the vast majority of them so that's where i think that there has to be there has to be a collective um effort and power to check against it beyond individual action and that's that's kind of a you know, the, uh, one of the big arguments in globalization is if you have, okay, well, a localized power is essentially a government of, of people. But if you have a multinational corporation, they're going to overwhelm a localized government, like I said before. So yeah, I mean, it, you have to, it, de- like, it depends on, on like, I, I definitely see your point with, with certain companies, it's hard to avoid. I mean, like, if you want a computer, good luck not interacting with microsoft or <laughs> apple i mean you could go linux for sure but Even like just the resources that are mined to make the most yeah of the technology absolutely but i do think that well, my point is not to be underestimated like you can absolutely avoid buying nestle products if you put in a little bit of effort into researching like what companies they own and then I just agree. like and and yeah just figuring out like what's what's important to you do you care about biodiversity do you care about the rainforest do you care about the oceans and of course like we can't be aware of all of the different horrible things that all of these different companies are doing which is which you know is credit to your point where it's like we need to make uh, efforts toward and you know this is standardization right we and we have been we have been making strides towards standardizing things to reduce environmental impact. Yeah. I mean, this is actually one thing, you know, we, to go towards the positive a little bit as well. Like another thing with standardization has been this like huge, huge leaps and bounds of improvements with like human rights. Yeah, that's true. Right. Like, because you know, like slavery is still happening uh, across the globe it's been happening for a since human i mean since day one basically but it's going it's going down it's like you know the vast proportion to the population yeah absolutely it's like i mean we have decided collectively that slavery is uncool period uh, as well as a lot of you know even even things like yeah of course you know, like slavery is the obvious example but like there's many other aspects as well yeah please continue I was gonna say something like like gay rights which is you know even in America I mean President Obama was was a little was a little like oh I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not not quite sure about that like whenever he was first president because it was politically like unsound for a president to be for gay marriage in you know what 2008 2009 
and now it's it's like seen as like a human rights violation the world over is is to to and you know obviously obviously there's tons of countries that still do it but it's like you know we're exerting cultural and even economic pressure on on countries that do this sort of thing or you know oppressing women or things like that like there's a lot of things that you know like i said slavery is the obvious one but we've made big strides in some of the things that would have been seen as like no way that's going to happen 20 even 20 30 years ago yeah and and again you know we and we can continue to affect this change by by being aware of the the type the companies that we're supporting like the perfect example is um like uh i mean and there's millions of examples but so h&m the clothing brand i used to buy their clothes because it was cheap i was like wow this is fucking cheap how is this so cheap and it like looks you know they have okay looking stuff i wonder how they do it so cheap <laughs> Oh, yeah. I wonder how. Turns out they're using fucking Bangladeshi child slaves to fucking produce the clothes. And then, oh, okay. Now I, I will never buy anything from them again or any of the companies that they own. Never. And, you know, I'm just a little fucking drop in the ocean. But if, but if everybody takes the time to, to do a little bit of searching around and 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 again like i didn't even search about this i learned about this through the internet this information just came to me and i was like what the fuck and now it's like you know i was i was giving them a percentage of their uh of their you know profit of their revenue and now that's gone due to and I, I, like I said, it's a small thing, but if everybody's doing this, yeah, you know, it's going you know, to... If 50% of people pick three companies that they're buying from that were doing shitty stuff and dropped them, then it would definitely make a big difference. It would make a big difference. And, and it would force these companies to change the way that they're doing things because it gets to a point where it's like, wow, it's actually cheaper for us to at least pay the children <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> at least pay the kids come on you know uh, uh we'll pay them in lollipops yeah so like you know jo joking aside like there we we uh we definitely have the ability to affect change with these things even in a small way um you know and now to to bring it to a, a the next one that i thought was pretty interesting and this we kind of touched on this a little bit yeah we've got already this one a good bit interconnectedness and that's i mean yeah we we already kind of hit this one like it's and this is again one of the things that's so cool is 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 because you know we were in my opinion like we're this interconnectedness with everything has always been there but now it's becoming more and more apparent how much we rely on each other and how and it's it's like more um it's more obvious and it's it's felt and it is and there is more of a of a um like interdependence as well 
right? That's what I was going to say. Like the, the most interesting term in that passage to me is mutual dependence. Exactly. And I think a great example of that is the fact that like no one person knows how to make um, like a, a pencil, for example. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you can just like get a piece of graphite or like lead or whatever. Um, probably shouldn't use lead. Get a piece of graphite and use that. But like... That, should, no, you shouldn't use lead. You shouldn't use lead. But, but like, yeah, no, like getting the actual, like the, the a fucking number two pencil out of it with like yes. the shape and the paint and the, the metal and thing the with metal the eraser. Like yeah. Trying to make all those from scratch, like no one in the world could singularly do Not that. a single person on the planet could make a number two pencil. And that's... Even the eraser takes like chemical engineering and stuff. Exactly. Shit to do. Not, not a, yeah, exactly. Like not even one person could make the eraser. Because there's so much that goes into even just that. And I I, uh, I will say that I have no idea how you make an eraser. So I could be wrong about it. But I'm pretty sure... Well, you're sure... probably going to need some like chemicals and like a mixing vat. You got to get like dyes for the paint. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Is to like, go over to the top. Even if you... High quality tools to make like the octagonal shape. Yeah, and, and imagine like... And this is what blows my mind is when you start thinking about it and then you realize how many human beings are involved in something like that. Even because think about it, like it's not just having a vat. It's like the people who mined the materials and and produced the the tools to mine the materials to produce the vat and like all of the people involved in the transportation and all of the people involved in the people who made the shoes for the people who are going into the mine. You're basically going to need like a whole like workshop and laboratory just to make this thing. Yeah. And the simplest of things. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's a pencil, right? Like, um, like a, nobody for sure nobody knows how to make a fucking computer a pewter yeah <laughs> i mean some people think they know how to build a computer but that's just because they're buying all of the different parts and then putting them yeah. together and like that is a very different thing than actually building a computer from scratch no fucking human being on the planet I, and i i i did it in minecraft bro i can do it in real life <laughs> i challenge I just need some redstone some dirt I challenge those of you listening to this podcast to build a computer from scratch. Everything has to be mined yourself. You have to make all your tools. You have to... I mean, I wonder if there's like some kind of like technicality with that, that you could actually do it. Either way. Well, making your own soldering iron. You know? Good luck. I mean, you gotta, and that even even with all that, you gotta make your own power supply too. Yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, and again, so that's again again one of these things that's super mind blowing, and I think it's one it's of like the reasons. Cells in a body. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely subscribe to the idea that we're a super organism, like 
hundred percent. And and that the and we're the brain cells. Well, that, and that's what's super interesting is like the like humans. You could think of humans as a as a species, as a super organism, right? But that is only cells of a larger super organism, i.e., the planet, which is part of a larger super organism, which is part of a larger super organism, which is part of yet another larger super organism. It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> Some would call that final super organism God. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yep. Right, so what do we got next? <laughs> Movement. The entire world Movement. is on the move. Or so it we might are. sometimes seem. Yep. Migration, we, uh... business travel, international conferences, and not least tourism have been growing steadily for decades. That's actually an interesting one right there, the tourism Tourism. Aspect. That's a... I have a... You know, on one hand, I think it's great because I get to benefit from it, but then on the other hand, you I have to fucking deal... Over here, I have to deal with tourists. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't want to hear it, bro. Living here in Des... We get three million plus tourists a year. Dude, we both, we both grew up in Sedona, dude. We That's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> that is... Um... No, but like, yeah, I, I, what I do think of is, um, this is actually a super interesting example, is uh, the country of Thailand and how globalization affects their economy because their economy, I, I believe the biggest contribution to their GDP is tourism. Yeah, right. they have a lot of like military bases there. Like U.S. Or I don't know if they have a lot of bases, but there's a lot of U.S. military traffic there as well. Yeah, and and it's just I mean it's there's a good reason why so many people go there because it is fucking beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful <laughs> countries I've ever been to, well, and I think the people there's are one amazing. Particular thing that I, that a lot of people go there for the lady boys. <laughs> No, just prostitution in general. Thailand's noted noted for its uh, um, business travel, quote unquote. Yeah, I think it's more so noted for its extreme natural beauty. But I'm sure uh, definitely, many I was old white joke, men but... are are uh, think of that first, including you, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I am an old white man. <laughs> Um, uh, no, I, it's, I mean, you, you got to make jokes, man. You got to keep it casual in here. Keeping it cash. Keeping it casual. Yeah. But so I think that it's that the tourism thing is really nice simply because people get to experience other cultures and like virtual tourism too, you know, getting to know about other cultures through the internet. Like, I think that's a really valuable thing. Um, and that solves a lot of issues with globalized tourism actually um because there are there is some really weird weird stuff with that like i noticed you know in in thailand i saw this this was so it was very strange like so i was on this um and apparently this was one of the like 
last one of the last refuges to the like insane amount of tourists that go to thailand every year of course it's not one of the last but it's like one of the more less well-known ones apparently there was still i mean it was chinese new year so there was still like a lot of people there but one of the things that i noticed is like the locals living there it was so strange seeing this like there there are these people and i would see them like every every day like walking you know to the beach or into the little the little town there and they're living in these like dilapidated corrugated tin roof structures um and they're just laying there on their smartphones yeah all day and i'm just like whoa this is so fucking trippy dude like what i don't know it was just really strange to see like Like they're sitting in a tent city and they're they're chilling on tiktok yes exactly and and i I, it was just it was just one of those moments where i was just like whoa this is this is so weird this is like i wonder what what would they be doing if they didn't have phones like is this do you even and then it's like is it even good to have a phone is that even actually a good thing or is it just one of these things where it's just like an escape you know because i think a lot of people it doesn't matter what fucking country you live in a lot many many people are using that thing as an escape i sure have used it for that that's for fucking sure and yeah, I think it counts as an escape for me, but I'm going to give somebody in a corrugated tin hut a uh I'm going to give them a full pass for using their <laughs> smartphone as an escape method. <laughs> they are allowed to use it as an escape. Well, I'm and sure what, they would as, be because very they're as for glad what they're doing to be getting permission <laughs> from a white man middle-class white man to be able to fucking use their smartphones, dude. Yeah, because before then, they were probably playing soccer with a tin can. It's better than... I mean, that's way better than fucking sitting on your phone all day. That sucks. I think they they would disagree. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, once once the initial, like, whoa, phone wears off... You're just depressed. You got one of them over here like, bro, I'm trading Bitcoin right now. I'm about to get out of this hut and move into a fucking penthouse, bitch. Bitch. Okay, speaking of which, brings us to the next one. Speaking of bitch. Mixing. Mixing, yes. This is is an important one for me. What you got? I think that's one of the... I think it's one of the the best things about globalization and one of the best things about america hooray diversity the the classic uh melting pot idea of like we can appreciate that you know it's the positive sides i like to focus on the positive sides um i do think that in general there's exceptions to this but in general the idea of cultural appropriation is silly and not something that we should really ascribe to. Um, like I said, there is problems. There, there are people who um, 
who do it in a way that is disrespectful and wrong but i think that a the just the the core idea of us like sharing in each other's cultures and enjoying each other's um you know rituals cultures uh practices entertainments styles things like that i think that that's a good thing in general. dude i completely agree man the vast majority of quote-unquote cultural appropriation that i've seen has been people literally basically like showing their reverence and appreciation for another culture like that has yeah. been vastly uh the the case with these cases of cultural appropriation i mean yeah, there, I don't even want to get into the examples of it because it gets really weird. But the, there's been so many examples of people of of that happening, and then people freaking out about it because you're not allowed to fucking have dread or like you're not allowed to do that hairstyle because that's that's our thing. And it's like, I mean, she was just like, "Whoa, this is super cool." I I don't know. I, to me, it's like it's weird. It's weird. People are like, yeah. they find something that they think is really interesting and beautiful, and then they want to share that with people, and then all of a sudden they're getting shit on for that. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's, uh, to me, you know, it's hard to, for me to actually come up with an example of what people would call cultural appropriation that's a bad thing. I know that I've heard certain ones, but it's usually less about, like, the copying of the culture part and it's more like the the disrespectful nature of somebody and what they're doing like they're mocking someone's culture or they're they're using it in a way that um you know doesn't doesn't represent the the way that it was supposed to do you know the um oh yeah i guess like the like... the redskins like the <laughs> The fucking that's a good NFL one. team. Yeah. Like that's a good example yeah. of like, yeah, that's that's not that okay, chill. That's, you should probably that's crossing the line. Yeah, yeah. So it, it um, definitely happens. It definitely happens. Yeah, it happens. But in but the I think that there's there's so many positive examples of us sharing in each other's cultures that you know that's the that's what we should be going for and 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 you know taking a an an appreciative. Um, attitude towards each other's cultures where you know if we're doing something that borrows from another person's culture we're like you said we're 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 giving a little reverence and and gratitude towards that and the people that made it and i always like to like with certain musical styles like um like the the tuvan stuff that y'all showed me and uh yeah you know indian music and um uh, like Irish music, uh, kind of learning a little bit about the origins of that kind of music and the culture behind it. And, you know, it makes it more interesting to me because I'm enjoying a, a music from it, from that culture. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that that's a perfect example of like, well, you know, use the opportunity. If you, if you get into something that you're borrowing from another culture, like use the opportunity to learn more about the culture. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just I'm excited for the the time, you know, give it a couple hundred years when like 
race isn't even a fucking conversation anymore because we're all just like oh i was about to say something so you're gonna not be, you're gonna be you're gonna be uh it's pretty generous <laughs> no but like I, I feel like humans are like the sneeches bro <laughs> if it's I'm, not race it's gonna be something else yeah yeah i'm sure but i mean hopefully we'll get over that at some point but but the point is like I think that's that's also a good thing, like because all of this, the more like differences we have, the more people are comparing and going, oh well, you're this way and I'm that way and blah, and and of course like you don't want everyone to be just completely homogenous and completely no. the same in every way. The idea is celebrating the differences and appreciating the differences, and in, instead of being judgmental towards them. Yeah, and and that being a mutual attitude. Yeah, I mean that's that's of course that's the ideal situation. But then for all the like bigoted racist a holes, then you gotta just like <laughs> just go for the full on melting pot. Just like let's all be, like just kind of <laughs> like the south park the south park future people that were yes. just like like light brown and they had a little like <laughs> yes like a garbled language exactly exactly oh bro. man so i think we got we got we got two more here i yep. think we got vulnerability mm. globalization entails the weakening and sometimes obliteration of boundaries Mm. You know, we we're kind of leading into this with some of this stuff. Yes. You know, I think a lot of this um, is the idea of like, we have our thing and you're not allowed in it. And, you know, this is, uh, I think the vulnerability that he's talking about here has a lot of, a lot to do with like the, the, the weakening of um, ex the idea of being exclusionary to other people. Yeah. Well, it's super interesting that he brings up like, so we have this like increase in flow of everything from money to refugees. Yeah. Very, very This was in two thousand seven. <laughs> yeah, little little did he know. He's fucking Nostradamus. Yeah, he probably he probably did know quite a bit. Oh no, yeah, he, this guy he, seems pretty smart. Yeah, <laughs> definitely knows a hell of a lot more than we do about the subject. That's uh, for fucking sure. He wrote yes. a book on it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, especially with the climate going on, refugees are going to be a bigger and bigger thing. Yeah, and that's been a massive a massive issue here. I mean especially in Sweden really since the since the 70s this has been going on right and i mean there's so many so much of that going on right now with all of the uh oh man all the shit that's going down uh in i guess multiple different countries but lately it's mostly in Syria um, but yeah. yeah, there's been massive waves of refugees um, over the last, I mean, it's been going on for like 50 years from different, different countries. It's very interesting. And again, like that, that, so these are all related, right? They're all connected because yeah. then there's the mix, this idea of mixing uh, different cultures. And that's something that's been really fascinating in, with um, in here in Sweden, like how it's kind of a forced mixing. Yeah, neither party necessarily wanted wanted it, but it was like 
necessary. Like both parties didn't want the people to die. Exactly. So yeah, but that was the... neither parties necessarily wanted to be a part of each other's cultures. So the refugees, you know, they didn't want to leave their homes. They yeah, they're displaced. To, uh, yeah, they didn't want to. They they didn't necessarily choose to move to Sweden, and become a part of Swedish culture. They wanted to be a part of their own culture and their own lives, and then the Swedes were like, eh, but they didn't want to die. And the Swedes were like, okay, well, we don't want you to die, but you know, our cultures maybe aren't necessarily fully compatible if you're not going to assimilate in certain ways. Well, I think that was the th the thing that they really overlooked. And I don't, again, I don't want to go into the politics of this whole thing, but I think that's yeah. something that they could have done a lot better of a job at because it's not, it's not just on the people entering a country to, no, no, no. to assimilate. Like you need to, and how help. could they even know what it, what, like how to assimilate into the, into the culture if they're not like given resources to do so? Yeah. And that's, and that was, that's been my main critique with the way that the Swedish government has handled it is like for them, it's like, yeah, you just give them money and like, so yeah like because obviously they need resources like you can't yeah. just like throw them in here and be like all right good luck like but just like giving people money it doesn't really solve the issue and there there has been a lot like there's definitely been some issues with with the mixing and how it's like creating these you know there's been this huge rise in like nationalism for example as yeah. a this like pendulum swing of like oh, we got to help these people out. Let's just take them all in. And then all of a sudden people are like, wait, what the fuck? I don't want these people here. And then like, so you have this. That's actually in this next, this next topic. It's a big one because it goes back to it's instead of disembedding is re-embedding. Yeah. And I think it's kind of hard to, to distinguish exactly what he's talking about here. But I think what he's talking about is the kind of what you're saying is like the it's kind of like a magnetic force where there's all these forces pushing for globalization and that causes these these resistance pockets to become much more strong and, and embedded. Exactly. So where, like this thing with cultural appropriation is a perfect example yeah. of, of that, right? Yeah. Or just honestly like the big push around immigration. Like I didn't really hear about immigration that much whenever I was a kid and suddenly it's like the top – the. Uh, one of the top topics in politics in both the u.s and many other countries around the world because of this this concept of globalization has become so much more in the forefront that you know now everybody's hearing about it even if you're in america and you live nowhere near the southern border people are hearing about the southern border all the time and even if you're not necessarily in sweden you're in some other european country you're hearing about certain European countries having issues with immigration and suddenly you're concerned about it happening in your own country based on your media source. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very interesting, uh, interesting stuff going on. There's, it's, yeah. it's extremely complicated when you start to take into account all of these factors. Right. And that's why we, we just wanted to like provide a general overview and some different ways of thinking about it. And of course, this is not exhaustive by any means. This is just kind of 
our it's casual chatter yeah this is just our thoughts on some of the different dimensions of globalization i think yeah. um unless you have anything more to to say i think this is a good place to end it and uh yeah we we hope you enjoyed this talk of globalization and uh yeah this is uh this is this has been good <laughs> absolutely man we will uh, see you next time. Signing off. Signing off. There it is, folks. Hot takes coming at you. A little spicier than usual. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We hope you enjoyed it. By the way, we were on We Speak English Good the other day. Check them out on Twitch. It was a great time. It's a great podcast. We loved it, and uh, I hope to have Mike EP, the host of We Speak English Good, on the podcast here soon. So give it a listen. Thank you again for listening. See you next time.